Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, and I'm on the run from my past. <laughs> Today we're talking about Minute 17, which begins with a coughing child and ends with Bruce asking Natasha about her actress buddy. Joining us on the show today, it's author Ryan Dalton. Hello, Ryan. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, we are thrilled to have you. Uh, we're going to be talking um, a couple uh, minutes this week, today and tomorrow, about uh, these scenes. And uh, also, you'll be back next week. Um, but I want to just start off. What um, When we were uh, getting people to kind of pick their minutes, you specifically wanted this. And I'm just wondering uh, what it was about these minutes that drew you to pick them. Yeah, I, well, for one, I'm a huge Hulk fan. Uh, I, I just, I love the character. I love what Mark Ruffalo did with it. Uh, I love the little nuances he gives to Banner. Um, and so uh, it, it's really fun for me to uh, to look at these, like the early minutes when we first kind of meet him. And um, I also love in general, a lot of the early scenes in this movie, because it was very exciting for me to see all these characters come together like they never had before, like in, in, in movie history, like seeing the reality of the shared universe. Um, in fact, it, it makes me think of like, you know, in years past, so many Hollywood people would say, oh, there's no way these different heroes could share the screen. They're just like their whole vibe <laughs> is different. It just wouldn't work. And I'd I'd be ripping my hair out saying it worked for 75 years in <laughs> comics and you can't figure out how to do it and and seeing these intro scenes where these like different heroes are, are meeting each other for the first time and seeing their different flavors kind of clash and, and mix on screen was so gratifying it's like a lifelong geek it's like see it can work and it's so much fun so i love these early scenes where we're getting the intros and we're kind of contrasting the different vibes of all the heroes in their worlds and them coming together Absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, and uh, Pete, you, we've talked about this with some other guests about how they had tried that in, I mean, the Spider-Man films were uh, kind of a big one, but um, it seemed like as like in the Raimi films, by the time you got to Spider-Man 3, and it just seemed like you had so many, uh, you know, characters working with Spider-Man and against Spider-Man that it just seemed too complex. Like they couldn't quite figure out how to script it in a way that would make it work. And even in the X-Men films, it felt like there were a couple of the heroes that were spotlighted, but a lot of the others just felt like they were just kind of there just to do their tricks and then disappear. And so, I mean, I guess you can see why people were concerned about it. Um, but it is funny to your point, that it took so long to really try to figure out how and and why. Well, and how to do it on the big screen. I, I sort of think you bring up all those movies, and, and now, with the gift of hindsight, I'm, I kind of feel like those movies were showing the work, right? Like, showing the practice. Because Spider-Man, the, the, the first Raimi film was, I, I thought, still uh, holds up for me. But then, you're right, they just turned to chaos. X-Men, they have just a gleeful amount of fun with all the different tricks and powers, especially in the second one. Um, and then it turns to chaos. And and yet, with every one of those movies, you can see they're trying to do a little bit more to massage these things together. And I think with the Avengers, you you see, I think, the, the nuance and the humanity of the grounding of all these characters that we've had for the last five movies that I think makes these things really, really work. Now they've they've figured out sort of how to make these 
bit larger than life characters feel human and share the the scene chewing that's going on 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 screen. I'm I'm curious, Ryan, from your perspective on, uh, and we've talked about this with a number of folks in these these kind of in and around these minutes. But as a legit Hulk fan, uh, what's your take on the the recasting the Norton Ruffalo uh, conundrum? You know, I enjoyed what each of them brought to it. Uh, I loved that both of them seemed really passionate about it. I was—I remember when Norton was cast and being surprised. That it was like, oh, he seems like really invested in this and like trying to do a thing. So I, I really respected that. I—I'm a Ruffalo guy though, as far as I—I just—I like his interpretation of Banner a little better. Um, and I, I mean, they're both very enjoyable. If if Norton had stayed, of course, I would have enjoyed that. But I, I think that. Um, Ruffalo brings a different type of vulnerability to him and just some of the nuances that he he puts into the performance, especially this these early scenes. Like, I love how you see in this minute and you even see uh, kind of continuing on to, into some other scenes in the movie, his even his posture is very kind of folded in on itself. Like he's trying to, uh, you know, even just kind of shrink in on himself, like, don't look at me, don't notice me. And anytime there's any kind of some someone with authority around or, or a soldier or someone in charge, he turns away, he puts his face down, uh, you know, like he's like he's doing his best to not established dominance over anybody he doesn't want to be noticed and it's those little things he never talks about it and says oh i do this because i don't want to be noticed or or whatever he just does it and i really like that to me it showed so much thought going into how the character would act and and thinking of banner as a person and not just thinking of, of him as a vessel for hulk and we really get that i mean that's kind of the only time uh he's given the opportunity to be uh, you know, on the run is in, in this minute where we where he's following the girl and he turns away from the soldiers on the road. And you really get that sense that, you know, he's he is still a fugitive from himself. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. He does. He's trying to solve his problem. He's a continuation of the Norton, the Norton character from the last movie. And yet, uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think so much of what he does in this, just the, his mannerisms, his, the, the, his, the things he invests into his hands, the way his hands are constantly moving together is really, is really special. I think for me at this point in the movie, I'm still thinking about the recasting and it's just, I think two minutes from now or so that I am officially allowed to free myself of rethinking about it. So this, it's later in this scene that he has a moment that I think is is just, it's like, oh, Ruffalo's here. He's, I get it. I understand. Yeah, he, he plays it really in, in an interesting way. And I like the the way the scene plays. Uh, I mean, before he's even left, I, I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we see the setup of this scenario, which fits very much in the TV show and that whole thing where he's helping a sick kid that we see this kid sick in bed and this young girl who is pleading and, you know, she, she knows at least one word in English as she says, please. And, uh, <laughs> and she has money, although <laughs> I do doubt Bruce actually took that money, but there's this draw to helping others that I really like that they set up. And, and then that little journey to the fringes of Calcutta where there they, they go. Um, I, I find that to be well-crafted in context of what they want to say with this character. Now I did question this whole, the way that he behaves with, I, I wasn't sure if it was like police car that drives by or military or what it's, it's not like uh Kolkata is like, 
there's nothing going on there that speaks to, oh, this is a place that's under like military presence or something. So it was a little strange. It just seemed like a weird directorial shortcut to put that in just to, you know, give us a sense that he needed to uh, kind of hide from something. It was it was a strange moment. And I'm not a fan of the way he acts there because he makes himself, from my perspective, look more suspicious because he kind of like, you know, turns and kind of like squats down, ducking away from them as if he's trying to hide himself. I don't know. I I found that to be an odd moment, although I totally appreciate the perspective that you take with it as to what what we're trying to get with the character. Am I the only one reading that scene weird? No, I I think I get what you mean. He uh, he he may (laughs) um, you you bring up an interesting point because maybe he's not always good at hiding, but maybe it's his maybe it's his default setting. But he he's a scientist and not a spy after all. So (laughs) okay, all right, you win this round. (laughs) Just not good at it. I it actually it didn't strike me as weird. I didn't I didn't actually think it was weird. but but I I get it. I get it. And I don't I just want to confirm. I think it's pretty clear he doesn't take the money because he says in this minute, I should have gotten paid up front yeah, because yeah. she jumps out the window without the money. And yeah. that's, I think, actually a really great minute for him because he gets to say that. And he gets he, you get the sense that he's aware of oh, crap this again. Like I'm being I, I've been actually catfished <laughs> hulkfish uh, yeah <laughs> hulkfish oh hashtag hulkfish uh, hashtag. <laughs> oh my gosh uh, but I, I think w- when you have so many characters to introduce it's it does a good job of with a, an economy of minutes giving you a snapshot of him who he is what he's doing his situation i, I also think this this job this uh, movie does a good job of leveraging the other movies and, and kind of going in sort of reintroducing you like happens here but also it feels like going in with the understanding of you've probably seen the other movies so yeah. we're going to reintroduce you but at the same time we're going to know that you probably already have enough familiarity with these characters that we can hit the ground running yep well to a certain extent like black widow we had seen her in action in the last film, uh, or not in the last film, but a few, mm-hmm. few films ago. Hawkeye, we never really got to see. <laughs> Unfortunately, we still don't really get to see much from him in this particular, uh, the start of this film. But this this with Bruce, like this is the first time we're really seeing this Bruce doing anything. And so, uh, you know, but to your point, I think, I think that uh, the storytellers knew how to craft it in a way where it's very short. Like this scene... I mean, it's just a continuation from the last minute and then a few more minutes. So it's it's a very short scene that we have with Bruce here. But it really does say so much about who he is. And and Pete, to your point, a few minutes from now, uh, toward the end of this scene, like it, it really stands out and makes you go, oh, yeah, this this actor, he's got this character under control. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, the exterior of this location, we are at the Albuquerque Rail Yards. Uh, this is where they're running across. and. Uh, We'll also be filming, or we'll we'll return to this location later in the film when Banner crashes uh, into uh, into the abandoned warehouse, and um, so this location is used a few times. I accidentally said that this was the location where they're filming the old factory, uh, but that was actually, in fact, an old Westinghouse factory in Cleveland, uh, mm. not here. So, just you know, all these different locations that they're filming all these things. Wait, you're talking about the factory where the Russian factory? Where, sorry, the Russian factory where we first meet Black Widow. Correct. Okay. All right. Yeah, I had said that it was the Albuquerque Rail Yards because the train was passing by and my brain got all confused. 
<laughs> it happens. It happens. What are you going to do? You are getting older. It's yeah. a lot of minutes. <laughs> so many minutes. So many minutes. Um, okay. So before we, before we go inside, I did just also want to point out, we have three random people sitting around outside watching TV, presumably a soap opera of some sort. There are two goats and some chickens, and they're kind of hanging out. And I just was wondering, like, are these people spies? Are they part of the team? Or are these people just in the way and they just happen to be there and we won't see, but they'll actually kind of like get kind of moved out of harm's way just in case something happens. Uh, any thoughts on on our three people sitting around out there? I think they're spies. You think they're spies? <laughs> I I guess uh, I would be bad at hiding like manner because I never even thought of that. <laughs> but that's a that's a great point. I imagine Shield wouldn't leave any variables uh, outside so close to where they're meeting, so they probably are spies. That's interesting. That never occurred to me. Well, and one of them is a young boy, and I was just like, well, it seems weird. But then again, we're in this scene with with Natasha, and she's going to talk about the fact that this young girl. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that tomorrow, but still, this idea that you know she started this young, so. <laughs> So who yeah. knows? Maybe they are young spies for Shield already. <laughs> Trainees, yeah. <laughs> Trainees, yeah. exactly. Uh, well, we go inside, and uh, I guess uh, my question about this location is: Does it seem like someone lives here? It's. It looks like a really well put together. I mean, in in the terms of kind of old abandoned shacks, which is, is what it's scripted as, it seems like it's well taken care of. There's, you know, a lot of decorations, there's furniture, like there's a pot on, and we see some steam coming out from the kitchen area. Uh, it really feels like somebody is living here. I don't know. What were your thoughts of this? Is this, going back to the whole concept with S.H.I.E.L.D., is this like a S.H.I.E.L.D. safe house that they use when they need to do something in this area, or did they just rent this from somebody who lives around around here? That's a good question. I wonder if it could be more shield set dressing a little bit, kind of, kind of like, uh, for one, making it look like when he's approaching, like someone actually lives here. I, I do also think it's interesting. Once you're inside, you're right. It is. Uh, I mean, the, the lighting is is nice <laughs> in there. Yeah, and, right. uh, yeah. There's something on the on the pot. I wonder if they they even thought, okay, let's create an environment here in here that is not stressful because we don't want to set them off. So. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it seems like an organization like shield again, probably wouldn't just do something random. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's a, it, it's a shield B and B. Like I, I think they've, <laughs> they, they put a, they backed a truck of money up to a Calcutta resident and just sort of took it over and cleared the area. <laughs> Which again, speaks to those three people out front being spies. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> probably so. Yeah. 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 Because it's not like it's clearly not lost on Shield what they're attempting to do. Like they don't right. have great experience with Hulk. It's so we, yeah, yeah, which we see later, a few minutes later, when uh, when you realize who all is actually there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, our little uh, our little girl. It's I mean, it's a really well crafted uh, scene. Like it's a nice steady cam shot as we kind of follow him following her into this house, kind of maneuvering through the space, and then he stops as he sees her run into the back room, and then we cut to a shot of her climbing out the window and disappearing. And I mean, it's just it's well crafted. You got the music, and then this is something else that we've seen a number of times already up to this point in the film, where there's nice comedy work done with the way that the music is playing. We've had this nice kind of um you know indian instrumentation playing through the music as they're kind of going through the process of all of this and then the music cuts 
to give us Bruce's line, allowing for that comedy. I, I like the way that like these moments, these these beats have been hitting in the film so far. I mean, we saw one in Russia when you know it's kind of got the tense music, and then suddenly the uh, the thug's phone rings and the music stops. So that's allowing for the comedy, and and it's an inter- interesting directorial choice that allows for the comedy to kind of come through in uh, the, I feel a fairly natural way. How does it play for How does it play for you, Ryan? Yeah, I like it. Um, and it's a clever way to very quickly go from something that seems serious to something that, that is, is more whimsical. And uh, yeah, I think it works really well. It's not jarring at all. It, um, it, it's a good way to, uh, to blend the two. And I, I feel like that's one of the things the film does, does really well, actually, is it, it flows back and forth between some comedy and more serious stuff very very nicely and it, it, it's obvious i think the editing really really helps that out so whoever was the editor must have known what they were doing i should i should know who that is jeffrey ford and lisa lassick were our editors. okay yeah they were the two good job guys yeah editors don't get enough uh credit in uh, in hollywood truth very truth. true very true uh yet they are often the backbone of making a film work oh Absolutely, yeah. They, I, I, I'm sure they've saved more movies than than we can know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Uh, once our little girl leaves, um, this is when we hear a line from the back. Uh, you know, for a man who's supposed to be avoiding stress, you pick a hell of a place to settle. Uh, and it is, of course, Natasha Romanoff, who is here in all new clothes. Again, this is supposed to be the same day as the day she was over in Russia. So very quick getting here, very quick change, uh, quick setting this place up, quick getting this little girl prepped and ready to perform this thing. Ah, Marvel Wiki, we love you. Uh, regardless, Natasha is here, and she's looking great. Um, I, I believe, were you, were you on the Iron Man 2 season with um, Kyle and Rob? Pretty sure I was, yeah. Did you get a chance to talk about Natasha Romanoff? Because I'd love to know your thoughts of, of the character and Scarlett Johansson's portrayal of her. You know, I don't know which which minutes I did for for that. It's been a while, but, uh, but I'm a fan. Uh, I think, well, for one, I was, uh, at first, I, I wasn't, super enthused when when they cast her because i knew that emily blunt was their first choice and i thought well that's basically the best casting you could do in like any role um (laughs) but then when i heard how scarlett johansson really chased after the role and like really was passionate about getting it and like showed up to dinner with uh i think favreau having already dyed her hair red and like i really love that i love when it when an actor is not like ironically detached about a role but like they're really going at it and passionate about it so after that i I wanted to enjoy it and be a fan anyway i really like what she does with the character i like that it's very obvious especially because we've already seen her in a couple things that when she walks into the scene she's got black widow game face on you know she's there even the way she's talking to him the way she's dressed even you know it is meant to disarm but also get into his head um and i I like the way that that she handles that um and not to get too far ahead because i know it's in different minutes but i even like the the turn of realizing that oh she's genuinely terrified of him but she does not let that show until like the chips are down so yeah i'm really uh, a, a fan of this i like it I, I like your comment about her, the way that she looks here. And, and, um, I think that makes a lot of sense in the scope of disarming him, because to your point, that's her goal at this point to disarm him, make him comfortable enough to have this conversation and to get him to come in and join 
kind of joined this Avengers initiative that S.H.I.E.L.D. is putting in place. I, I don't think that it would have worked had she shown up in, you know, kind of that the black leather outfit with the um, the weaponry and stuff that uh, we kind of are used to her seeing her in when she's fighting. And so uh, it is, it's, it's actually smartly put together the way that they've kind of designed this moment for her to feel more welcoming, I suppose, is a way to look at it. Yeah, even her tone of voice, everything, it's a little bit softer, softer. It's like, it's not the the spy Black Widow voice that we've heard, like in, you know, when she's getting ready to fight or anything like that. It, it's the relaxing voice, a touch sultry, you know, it's, it's um, I, I think, really well done. It's kind of also the start of this relationship between these two, which is, mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, I mean, seeing kind of where it goes down the road, it's, it's kind of, uh, I don't know, it's just interesting to see that this is the, this is kind of the starting place of their interactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then she'll learn down the road, of course, that her, her charms only go so far with Hulk, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I think ironically is the reason that she falls for him because Hulk cannot be charmed. Yeah. Uh, and so, which means that her greatest weapon is powerless really against him. Yeah, it is, it is a little bit frustrating just knowing that this starts and this scene, we get a little bit of the dance between the two of them, which I think is super cute. I think it's a well-written scene. I struggle knowing the long arc of their relationship and just how weirdly misguided their so-called budding romance becomes. That part is frustrating again with the gift of hindsight, just because it's confused. I wish it wasn't confused. But uh, I love I love their relationship in this se- this sequence. Their banter, the wit, the the dance. Yeah, it makes me think of that. There's an energy to it the way there is with some of the other scenes, especially like one of probably my all time favorite scene in the in this movie is uh, with uh, Banner and uh, Stark in the lab and everything and just talking. And there there's an energy to those scenes with these characters first meeting and interacting. It makes me think of things that I've written that I've been I've had these different characters and I know a scene is coming where it's the first time they're interacting and that's very exciting to me as a writer because they're characters that I love. I can't wait to get them in the same room and, 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 you know, just kind of see what happens when they're interacting. I feel like maybe I'm projecting, but I feel like in scenes like this and several other scenes, I'm feeling that excitement and that energy in in the writing of the scene and, and how the characters deal with each other. Well, it's nice. I mean, she knows who he is. And, you know, per the comic books, you know, we know that when Bruce was at Culver University, um, in The Incredible Hulk, that she was there on campus as a backup per Nick Fury to make sure that uh, that things were didn't get out of hand. And obviously things, I mean, he hulked out and he battled with Ross and all of them. But, I mean, it, it didn't get out of hand, out of hand, where she needed to be involved. So that's so she knows who he is. She's aware. And so she also is wary of him. But this is a point where, like, he has no idea who she is, what she's capable of. And so uh, I think it it makes for an interesting setup of this particular conversation that we have here as he just, I mean, he sees a woman in a nice dress and instantly is evaluating exactly what she did and knows that, okay, she's, she's in a nice dress, but she knows who I am. She was smart enough to bring me to the edge of the city. Uh, the place is likely surrounded like he's he puts two and two together in such a smart way. And like the way that he plays this character through the scene, I just I find mesmerizing, just like the way he's rubbing his hands together, constantly looking around and evaluating the situation. 
I am just I'm I'm fascinated by it, and I think it works exceptionally here. Yeah, agreed. Um, it's almost like he feels like prey, like oh, like like he feels hunted, which you know, in a way, he has been. Um, and yeah, I just love the physicality of that that Ruffalo brings, and again, just subtle. And I love it when they do stuff like that, but never have to shine a light on it. They just let you discover it and enjoy it. And yeah, so I, I remember seeing this in the theater and being very excited that kind of like you said before, that's like, okay, yeah, he's, he's doing it. He, he's got this character and being able to just relax and enjoy it. He's such a competent, like it's an exceptionally competent actor and understanding all of the different directions this could go. Like he's hunted. Yeah. But kind of unthreatened by the hunt. Like he just feels more frustrated by the fact that he's hunted and that he's like, I just get the feeling that the thing he's more scared of is the risk to everybody around him because he knows what he's capable of. And the fact that he that people are trying to catch him is it it's, feels like more of a nuisance to the work that he's trying to do. And that's that's one of the that's the balance I've always appreciated about Hulk is that he's still trying to do the right thing in spite of this constant pestering of those who want to control him, to do harm to him, to change him, all of that. And and I think I think Ruffalo nails that. That's a great point, because uh, you're right. He doesn't, as he reveals later on, he knows that anything that they would try physically is not going <laughs> to really have any success. Right. Considering he's it, like we learned he's tried to kill himself and the other guy spit mm-hmm. the bullet out like that. Those kinds of throwaway lines are are all leading up to his gigantic hero moment later in this movie that is uh my favorite Hulk moment of all time. Well, and it, that also like starts getting telegraphed here when he talks about avoiding stress isn't the secret. You know, like that we're starting to get the the hint to that with people like, what is the secret? What is the secret? You know, that's uh, right. I, that's a really good point. I also like how there is this little nod to the last movie, The Incredible Hulk, with Natasha saying, the what is it, yoga? Because when we first see Bruce in the last film, he is, of course, meditating. <laughs> yoga. And right. I, I, I kind of like that that little uh, drop there. And then Tony later guesses Big Bag of Weed. That, so they all have right. guesses. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Can we just say how sort of magical it is that they've only had to recast one uh, a major superhero character in the course of these films. Well, two, two. Well, you're, I, yeah, we've got. Uh, you're right. Oh God, I wasn't even thinking about. It. I was thinking about uh, uh, Black Panther. Oh well, but you're right. So three. But of the principles here, like that's that's kind of a big deal. Like that, this feels like a a pretty significant orchestration. They're they're doing well. Let's just say that feels feels really good. That's a great point. Yeah, you you would expect something this big with this many moving parts would have more exits. But I think they were smart with their contracts too, and looking to the future and saying, okay, we're gonna want these same faces for a while. Yeah, and to get the actors who are willing. At that point in their careers, to commit to that sizable of a of a contract is is uh, that's kind of a big deal. And you can tell it's a big deal when they get to movies, you know, seven, eight, nine in their contract, and they start bitching about it. <laughs> <laughs> Only three more movies yeah. left to go, and then I'm done. Sort of done playing this character. <laughs> I think Hemsworth said recently that he's he's done with the routine to get into Hulk form, like the shape. And he, I think he recently said something like, well, they can put me in a bodysuit next time if they want me again. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's a lot of work. I feel, I mean, those, those actors who have to do that, yeah. we talked about that a little bit last season with uh, Chris Evans when he had to bulk up for coming out of the chamber because it's like you have to dehydrate your body so much so you get, you know, those strong yeah. cuts and everything. And it's just, it's, it's a lot of body abuse to get yourself looking that way. Yeah, and well, like Hemsworth now, he's forty, and yeah. uh, your body's going to start feeling that if yeah. you put it through that. Yeah, absolutely, sure. absolutely. Well, there's not much more to this minute. We end with uh, him asking her about her actress buddy. We'll talk about that exchange a little bit more tomorrow. So let's wrap up the conversation for today. Um, Ryan, uh, tell us about some of these books that you've written and, uh, where people can track them down. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, my, my first series, which has uh, been out for a little while now, the time shift trilogy, uh, the first one's called the year of lightning. They are a series of time travel mysteries. Uh, and then, uh, I just, uh, recently had uh, my latest book come out completely different, uh, called this last adventure. It's a departure for me. It's not sci-fi or anything. Uh, it, uh, follows a boy who uses storytelling to try to save his grandfather's memories from alzheimer's so it's uh contemporary with a touch of fantasy wow fantastic find those on amazon we'll have a link in our show notes uh if you're not seeing the show notes in your podcast app uh, some apps aren't very great with uh with show notes so you can always find them on our website if you're looking just go to marvelmovieminute.com and you can find them there Uh, So that's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow uh, to talk about Minute 18. So, Pete, thanks as always. Andy, tomorrow, the dance continues. (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>